Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I'm honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode 19 of season two of This Osteopathic Life. I'd like to start today talking about alignment. And that can have many meanings. And when you think of an osteopathic physician who does neuromusculoskeletal medicine and osteopathic manipulative medicine as a specialty, you might think about alignment of the structures in the body and using that as a goal for treatment, endpoint of treatment, marker of health. And that's not inappropriate or incorrect, but I think in some ways it can be limiting and it can miss the bigger picture. And as I've been talking about in the previous episodes, looking at pivoting and awareness and moving forward, moving beyond alignment is really where this osteopathic life is going. But let's start with alignment as a concept first. And as you've known in many episodes, looking at simple definitions is always a fascinating place to begin. And alignment defined as the arrangement in a straight line or in correct or appropriate relative positions is one of the definition options. And there's actually quite a bit in there that's really intriguing and can be used on a broader scale more than just lining up, right? So that first part, if we just saw arrangement in a straight line, we could miss a lot with that. That could be pretty narrow, pun intended, thinking. Expanding it beyond that arrangement in correct positions, you know, gives some room, gives some space for interpretation beyond just straight line, correct positions. But there's also something about that idea of correct in there that feels almost too directive and assumptive in some ways, saying that this is the only way to be. And now medicine based in science, there are many things that are referenced in absolutes. You know, there is a lot of foundational knowledge that is certainly fact-based and evidence-based, and there are right answers. But with anything, as you expand and grow in medicine, you realize how much nuance there is and even what it means to be right. And if that's what we're called to be. We've visited the oaths taken in medicine, the Hippocratic Oath, the Osteopathic Oath, and in neither of them does it say, I will be right all the time or I will make right all the time. Instead, they talk about operating to the best of your ability and acknowledging even the need for help as a particular line in the Hippocratic Oath. 
And so think about arrangement in correct position, you know, in ways also feels somewhat limiting and not allowing for all that takes place in the grand design of a being, of a human in their body and in their relationship with the world and all the variants around it. So if we look at the latter part of that first definition for alignment, arrangement in appropriate relative positions. Even just saying that, looking at it, reflecting on it, there's just breath. There's a bit of ease around it because it's noting appropriate, right? It's not saying fixed or same every time, appropriate, right? That can change based on need and circumstance and perspective and you know what might shift. And I've said this before in episodes, there are certainly things that we do routinely, you know, and certainly things that are appropriate a lot of the time, but each evaluation, each treatment of a patient is different. Even if it's a small, you know, minor, I won't say insignificant, but a small minor detail that might be different each time because the patient is different each time. And again, there are certainly patterns and common ways that we treat and skills that we have and styles that we implement. But in the end, there's us in that moment with them in that moment, which is a unique experience each time. So appropriate relative position and that ability to really see the relationship, you know, that alignment really requires an understanding on a broader scale, right? We might line up two vertebra in the spine, but if everything else associated with that section of the spine isn't moving or breathing well, or the rest of the body has facilitation and inflammation and things that are influencing it, that is probably almost a useless action. And you could say if that was the key lesion and the main restriction and you treated that everything else would follow suit, maybe. But which would you rather experience? Arrangement in a straight line? Arrangement in a correct position? Or arrangement in appropriate relative position? And that latter one is what I would choose. And it can be a little challenging because there is not a single, straightforward, clear, and we'll say reliable every time answer. And that's hard because we are kind of conditioned to want a clear and concise, direct, reliable every time answer. But if anything, we're learning during this time, over these past four months particularly, that that's really not how things work. And even when we think we're there, you know, it can be uprooted and undermined and changed and challenged. And we can either fight against that, you know, and put a stake in the ground and say, you know, I'm here for the correct position every time. Or we can accept the variance of the human experience and aim more for arrangement in appropriate relative positions. And think about, yes, some of the challenges 
of perhaps the unpredictability or the call to be open and adaptive and flexible, but also the freedom in it, that there isn't just this one right fixed way, but there might be many ways to be aligned and be successful from that position. A latter part under that same entry of definition was to define alignment as a position of agreement or alliance. And this one really spoke to me as I've been in conversations pretty routinely over the last month and in various ways and times before that about being an ally and the practice of allyship. And there are many perspectives around that. And I'd like to share with you some of mine, some that I've learned, and some ways looking at that definition and concept and framework and possibility is going to be one of the means by which the sociopathic life moves forward in a more active, tangible way. So to think about alignment as a position of agreement or alliance, we can start first again with the body. And I love this concept of a position of agreement. Think about that could mean for a moment. So if you have any aches and pains, let's say mid-back pain, you know, it's a complaint that many experience that has increased during this time because of our postures and our stressors and the work that we're doing, you know, on computers and Zoom rooms and phones. So just take a minute and think about mid-back pain. And we could think about, again, just correcting some dysfunction, two vertebrae that are rotated and bringing them back to a neutral position of that straight line alignment. Or we could think about a position of agreement within the body. And here that that requires listening to even know what an agreeable position might be. We have to tune in to where the body is already right then. And we might think, we might have the perspective, our position might be that the improved area, the improved alignment is for them to be symmetric, for them to have even rotation, for them to be able to move in all planes, for them to line up with each other. But in the practice of osteopathic medicine, we must first begin to listen to know the position, right? Just stereographically, where is that in space at the moment? But also, why is that the position? You know, what has led them to that alignment or malalignment, if you want to think of it that way? Because if we honor the body's capacity for self-healing and self-regulation, something has either disrupted it or it's maybe chosen that position for some compensatory reason. Is it protecting something else? Is there imbalance in the muscles and the rotation is the way that it's reestablishing some type of equilibrium in the body? Is it from origin otherwise? You know, is it not actually being driven from the skeletal system itself, but from the visceral? Is it really from the stress response that that person's happening? So first, just understanding the position as it is right then. And then offering space, offering attention, offering intention with focus on the health. 
So viewing that body, that system, that person, that whole as capable of being fully functional and honoring the grand design and recognizing the capacity for optimal health and serving as a bit of a reminder in that engagement. And then with many treatments and particularly with indirect treatments and even taking a step further into more fluid-based or grand perspective treatments, seeing the whole and seeing the health, me asking or just waiting to see if there is a response to make any shift. And in this way, we're finding out, is there a position of agreement? You know, I might have an idea based on my knowledge and understanding of anatomy and physiology and optimal alignment for best function, right? Structure for thinking of alignment as the structural format for optimal function. I might have a way that I think this area should look and feel and operate and integrate and function. But I also have to acknowledge that there's a place where it is right now. And if they don't match, is there room for a dialogue? Is there room for a changing of opinion in that area to shift to this new version or maybe revert to the original version that didn't have the restriction and dysfunction as I'm perceiving it? And so again, thinking about that thoracic pain that you might be having, pain between your shoulder blades, and do we want to force it into the place where I think it should be based on anatomic and physiologic awareness that I have from my training and learning? Or can we have a conversation, right? And I mean hand to body, physiology to physiology, person to person, health to health, to see where the position of agreement might be. Taking into account my role as this participant, the role of the person with the thoracic pain, and all of those internal relationships, you know, structurally, physiologically, all the systems that are integrated around what we see as two vertebral segments in the spine, right? They are but the tip of an iceberg of all that exists underneath. And then expanding beyond that, what else is playing into this? And is there room and capacity to make any shift? Does this person have enough reserve Do they have support for all the stressors that they're experiencing? Do they have tools to manage some of these physiological changes that will happen? Because if something has sat in one position for a long time and then moves, even if it's a more optimal, neutral place to which it has moved, there are adjustments to be made. The body has to reorient to that position in physiology. And that can take some processing and ideally leads to a more efficient, less energy-wasting system overall, but in that transition, right? We need some support. We're not always great with change, even when we know the changes for our better, right? We might make habits in our lives where we know that sleeping more and eating better and moving and checking in with ourselves and nurturing our relationships are better for us, but if they're not what we've been doing, it takes some time and some getting used to and some reconditioning and some muscle and memory building to get there. And we shouldn't assume that not to be true for this segment of the person's body because it's still them. You know, this is still a part of them and their life and their whole. 
soul alignment, a position of agreement. And taking that beyond the physical, beyond the osteopathic engagement, the potential for osteopathic manipulative treatment to be a part of finding that agreement, but to take that more broadly, you know, finding alignment with others in our world, a position of agreement. And what I love about that is it doesn't mean I have to be right and you have to be wrong and you have to just say I'm right, but there's room to move between. And just like in that examination with the body, it must start with acknowledgement of where we are and honest assessment of where we are and clarity that we bring our own biases to the situation because of our personal experience and that we have expectations, right? Just as a physician in that example, I have expectations of how things should look based on what I know and that might be helpful, that might be an improvement on how things are for this other person and the other person in that example being the quote-unquote dysfunctional area in the body. But do I know that for sure? You know, can I know how that impact will be for that person, for that area in their body long-term? I can have references based on past experience, but we won't know until it happens, right? We won't know until we get the feedback afterward. And just like thinking about the style of treatment, do you want to be forced into a new perspective or do you want to be offered it? with the opportunity to consider you know, if you want to make any change, if you have the capacity to make change at that moment, if you have the support, if you do choose to make that adjustment to adapt to it effectively and appropriately. And there's also room to move in both directions. And so if we're talking about two people and two different opinions and seeking alignment as a position of agreement, we might still stay in our camps right, of thought, but acknowledge a way that we can agree to hold them together, you know, in the space of respect and curiosity and learning. You know, position of agreement doesn't mean throw away everything you know and accept what I say. It might mean position of agreement by hearing each other fully and completely and openly and recognizing that there can be multiple perspectives and that they can coexist and we can decide you know, how closely we want to align with whomever it is that we're having that discussion or if we need more space. And if we feel that we must have our position heard as the correct one, what that means and how that affects the capacity for alignment. And this has come up for me a lot, and there was a really helpful article. I posted it on my Facebook page, and I'll put it in the show notes here uh, by Dr. David Camp, and talking about how to approach anti-racism work and allyship work from a broader, softer perspective, a non-contentious perspective, and in a way that doesn't shut people out with differing perspectives and experiences and viewpoints so that we can have the more global, broad conversation. And it doesn't have to be adversarial. And it doesn't mean if someone doesn't agree exactly with us immediately 
it's over. You know, and there's no room for listening or understanding. And I really appreciated that as historically, and I think I've avoided conflict, right? Been in that place of everybody just get along, you know, and we're not going to argue. And it's really not helpful, but there are ways to carry difference in opinion and experience in respectful ways that allow for greater growth. And so the latter part of that same portion of the definition for alignment is also a position of alliance. And looking at alliance itself, the definition I found that resonated most with me is an association to further the common interests of the members. And this can be an interesting space and requires, again, very open broad, receptive conversation. Because we might think we are experiencing and expressing and moving toward common interest. But many times we might be missing the point because most often the interest with which we are most familiar is our own. And when our perception is that our interest is for the common good and it is altruistic and you know, helpful for all, we will move forward with that, you know, in somewhat of a blinded way. We'll just hold that and see, you know, I'm doing good and I'm being helpful and I'm progressive and I'm an advocate. But if we are in alliance with others, that means there are multiple interests. And to ensure that they are common, we need very clear conversations and demonstration of understanding. And that means, you know, repeating back. This is, you know, my mission. Does it align with yours? Tell me more about yours. What does that mean? This is what I'm doing. Does this get us there? Rather than just assuming that because you are well-intentioned, you are moving in the direction for everyone if you're in that relationship of alliance. And this is one that's really been an eye-opener for me because in many ways, you know, I look at the mission statement of this osteopathic life and the way I have practiced medicine and the different groups with which I've been involved, you know, it can be easy to just think that I'm doing good things, you know, I'm helpful, you know, I'm looking at health and, you know, I'm serving others and I have a broad approach and I've worked with people from different demographics, you know, and socioeconomic experiences. But if we are really talking about for the health of all things here in osteopathic medicine and the greater health and the global health and the health of the whole, we need to get a little bit more granular on what the common interests are to really know that we are furthering them effectively, collectively, that we're not just pushing forward and many are falling behind, that we take the time to broaden that reach, right? To reach our arms out and hold everyone alongside of us. And we step forward together. And that might be slower. That's probably going to be more challenging. We're probably going to have to take some steps back you know, to make sure that everyone is in the fold if we are to say 
They were here for the health of all things. That means health of all people. And be cognizant of it. And rather than assuming what we're doing is for the greatest good, assume that we're missing something, right? It's hard to know anything but your own experience without consistent, conscientious, regular effort. And that can sound laborious and fatiguing, or it can sound necessary and comprehensive. And we're seeing right now in the pandemic, in the long overdue heightened awareness of racism as a public health crisis, that we have not been furthering for common interests of all members. And we are called now to do that. And to do that, again, starts with listening and acknowledging and accepting that your perspective of better might not be exactly what is needed for that person. We talked about in the exam for that area in the body and how it relates to the whole. And that can be hard to accept. But it doesn't have to be a failure. It doesn't have to mean that everything you are doing or have done is wasted. Quite the contrary. All of that is skill building. You know, learning that you have been working for the common good to the best of your knowledge and understanding. But it's being offered to you now that there were some blind spots. That there are some areas and factions in yourself that you weren't seeing and you need to bring that along you know, be in alliance with all parts of you all thoughts that you have in order to move forward to further the common interests of the members you know of the ecosystem of your own body and being of your family right we sometimes make assumptions that we know the needs of our family members because we are intimately related and interacting. But do we ask them directly? And how do we respond when they don't match exactly what we think is what is going to support the health of all things in our family, in our community? And if you are a busy, obvious advocate for many besides yourself in your community, that's fantastic. And is opportunity to say, what might I have not known? What might I have assumed? How can I learn so that all of this capacity I have for advocacy can be extended and can include a broader spectrum of people, ideally to all the people in my community? When I close my eyes and picture my community, who do I see and who don't I see? And how can I expand that panoramic view so that I do see everyone and acknowledge everyone and have the capacity to listen for what the common interest is here and how we can move forward together. And you don't have to be responsible for the solution in its entirety. That's where the alliance comes into play, right? That association can be so much more powerful. But we do have the personal responsibility to expand our viewpoint, you know, if we are part of this collective of humanity, we are not going to continue forward without acknowledging the whole. And simply 
in shifting that view and that scope, that will begin to change the capacity for health. Because if we don't see it, if there's not light shined on it, you know, it will wither. You know, and it doesn't get the nurturing and the attention and the possibility that's needed, you know, to grow and to progress and to be harvested for all the potential beauty that it has. And you can expand community as big as you'd like. And you can keep it as small as you like. It could be just your town. There's so much to do there and so much needed there. And there's so much potential on the local level that we sometimes miss because we are in this global world and in this national news model. And again, important to think of the whole, but if you want to see as an advocate, as an ally, where you can have the most impact, you know, that can be truly quite local. So I've looked at some programs for this osteopathic life in different arenas you know, for my physician colleagues, particularly in my specialty, neuromusculoskeletal medicine and osteopathic manipulative medicine, and seeing how that is shifting. As I've talked about hosting calls and engaging with my colleagues in that arena during this time. And so that will be one program in area of focus. One will be osteopathic medicine on a bit of a broader scale from the educational and graduate training perspectives and practice for DOs across all specialties. There'll be another place we look. And then for the non-physician participants, looking at for the health of all things with very intentional attention on our role as social justice, health-oriented citizens seeking clear and tangible ways to engage with ourselves, our family, our community, and the world as allies in the health. And some particular attention to the anti-racism work to which we are all being called. So those are the three avenues that will be unfolding, being revealed, being made available in which you can participate. And so do look to the website for changes and updates with those. If you participate in social media, I will be utilizing Facebook more and for my professional colleagues, LinkedIn as a resource, particularly for those who aren't as keen on the use of Facebook. The podcast will continue. I will be putting out more writing, more blogs, and more videos as well, speaking to the ways in which these programs are available to you for personal enrichment and for clear action steps to move forward and see how you can really support the health in meaningful ways for yourself, for your family, for your community, personally and professionally. And that is where we are. And that is the alignment of the appropriate relative positions of all that this osteopathic life has to offer. From a position of alliance and from a place of listening for a position of agreement with that which you need 
as the participants with that which the community needs for these participants to be effective advocates and to myself as a leader of this organization and this movement forward, how I can continue to do so from a place of authenticity created through listening and learning and correcting and acknowledging that in order to find the appropriate relative position, to find a position of agreement and to have a truly meaningful and effective alliance that furthers the common interests of all members, that is what I'm called to do. So thank you for joining me for this episode. Thank you for joining me for this journey. And thank you for tuning in for these next steps we can take together. This is Dr. Millie Beakey with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening.